For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hi, and welcome to The Rock Podcast. In today's teaching, we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Proverbs. Now let's join Pastor Ross as we pick up in chapter 22. Alrighty, I welcome you back to your seats. And we are going to pick up where we left off, Proverbs chapter 22. Let's ask the Lord for his blessing. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this collection of wise sayings penned by King Solomon, but inspired by your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that really they're for us, your children, how we could live a wise and effective, productive, successful life and avoid the pitfalls of being foolish and all the painful consequences that go along therein. So, Father, we pray tonight that you just give us a fresh word of correction or affirmation. Talk to us, Lord. Our hearts are hungry to hear from you and be changed. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the saying goes, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and about five minutes to ruin it. Uh, And if you think about that, you'll do things differently. And so really this collection of wise sayings, that's really the whole point, uh, to to help us give thought to our ways. And Proverbs lists that very thing three times, the wise Think before they act, and thinking before you act will save you a lot of uh, trouble. Uh, Now, uh, bad behavior and not being wise can be very destructive. And as we've been observing through our time, through the book of uh, Proverbs, uh, doing the wrong thing will ruin a lot of things, including uh, your good name. So truly wise people will guard their reputation uh, because they realize how valuable it is. Look at verse 1. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is to... is better than silver or gold. So off we uh, go. Here we are, uh, verse 1 of chapter 22. Here is an observation, a wise saying, and I like to refer to this type of proverb as a reality check, an observation to make sure that the children of God's values, that our values, are in keeping with heaven's values because the world's values and God's values are very different, and sometimes we get caught up and we start thinking like the world. And so here's a a kind of a reality check, you know, so it's saying, you know, wealth, uh, the prize for most of the earth, right? That's what they strive for and sacrifice for. And the proverb says nothing uh, against wealth or money or riches. Yes, it can be a good thing if you have the right heart about it, if you get it the right way, and if you steward it properly, uh, two thumbs up as far as God is concerned. Uh, But there's something more valuable than great wealth. And he wants you as a Christian to remember that, that it is not just great riches, but better than great riches is a great reputation. So why is it so valuable? Why is a good name 
It's so important. Why is it better to be esteemed? So when, in other words, when somebody hears your name, it's associated with um, kindness, goodness, um, loyalty, truthfulness. Why is that so important? Well, how you are perceived by others will determine the quality of your life. Think about it. And, and how you're perceived is a more accurate read of who you are than how you perceive yourself. Right, because you have a lot on the line when you evaluate self. You're biased, and I'm biased, right? It's very hard to get an accurate read. But what others think about you is really what is true, right? For, you know, in the big picture, of course. And so, why is it so valuable to have a good name? Well, it's the quality of your life. Uh, commentator Kidner says, our proper or real joy is not in the power or the influence that we yield, or wield, I should say, but in the love in which we are held. You know, what good is material goods if nobody wants you around and everybody thinks you're a loser and nobody wants to invite you to the party? So, well, you know, the, the thing about a good reputation is, is that it opens doors of opportunity in business and in love and in relationships, right? And, and so a good reputation precedes you and goes before you and people are able to trust you your whole life. I mean, you're connected to life by your good name and by your bad name. The bridges are burned the connections are gone. Everybody's shunning you. Opportunities are withdrawn. People don't trust. You're isolated. You're alone in a world that God created for community. And so maybe this is why slandering somebody, which is just talking smack about somebody, right? As we say, talking negatively about somebody is so sinful because you can kill a person. You can kill them their reputation, their ability to function by uh, sullying or dirtying uh, their name. And so this is what this is all about. So, you know, I mean, I, I always have trouble getting over the first one. So just give me a second and then, then we'll speed along. But I always have, I write down, just move along. It says move along, right? <laughs> and I'm just ignoring it because I just, they're always, the first one is always so good. Lots of reputation is so important. Families have reputations. Churches have reputations. Countries have reputations. If you say North Korea, you think of something. If you say Sweden, you think of a different thing. Dog breeds have reputations. You know, you know you're looking for a dog for a family, friend. You know, you know, pit bull. No, that doesn't work because they have a reputation. Send your emails to Pastor Carlin at the rock. <laughs> dot org. Because he, he has apparently a problem with pitbulls. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Listen, oh, when you want a dependable car, Toyota, oh, yeah, right? Because it's got a reputation. Your name. Think twice about the five minutes you're going to do something stupid and cut off your connections to life. Now we can go on. <laughs> you better. Verse two. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Listen, this is in here as an observation just to let you know. 
Listen, the world loves to lump people into categories of worth and significance uh, determined by outward circumstances. So if you're dirt poor and can do nothing for us except create need, right? We, we lump you in the insignificant category. But if you're rich and attractive and beautiful and you can give me something, right, and it's fun to be around you, then you're a worthwhile human being. And the Proverbs just say, God made everybody and every human being is, has the dignity because they are creations of the most high God. They are the object of God's great love. Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, shed his blood for the rich guy, for the poor guy, for the good guy, for the bad guy. So we just need to remember every human being you ever come in contact with, get through the outer package of not liking whatever it is and remember God loves this person and that they were created in the image of God. Just elevate them beyond the outward temporary package because you're going to see some of those poor people reigning and ruling with Christ while the rich celebrity who was godless, is not going to be there. So we got to change our thinking. Verse 3. A prudent, wise man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. I always pick one to be my favorite, and this is my favorite of this chapter. Um, it's, it, it just, I don't know why I like it so much. I think it's just because it's common sense. So the definition here of, of, of spiritually speaking, smart and dumb. All right, so if you want to know what God thinks is smart, if you want to know what is spiritually not so smart, uh, here it is, the definitions right here. Smart, prudent means discerning or shrewd. Uh, somebody who can uh, spot trouble, they have a radar, they have a sense of, 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 of they can discern when there's a red flag, when there's a warning sign, when, when, when there's a trap, they smell something, oh, this isn't good, I better turn around, I better dodge, I better duck, I better stop this right now because I can see where this is going and it's not going to end well for me because I'm smart. I stop, I see, I sense. But the naive, the simple guy, the word means open-minded. It means he hasn't come to any convictions about right or wrong. He's empty upstairs. That's what it means, simple. And so he's oblivious. All he sees is the hook. With the, he doesn't see the hook. All he sees, I should say, is the bait on the hook. The little worm doing the hula, you know, come on, come on, right? And, and he's just, he can't figure out even fish Fish catch on after a while. You, you know, they, they get it. They get, you know, a few jabs and they get re-put back in the lake and they, they figure it out. Oh, I'm not doing that again, right? <laughs> but, but human beings aren't that smart. They keep doing it. If you're really uh, dense in that matter, uh, they just are plain oblivious. Look, I, I was taking a, a prayer walk around Hume Lake and I saw this sign, and this was on my mind because, because I, I knew it was coming up. And so I just took a picture. Warning, 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 warning. Burned area beyond this point. Watch for flash floods, rock fall, and debris, right? Area closed, closed. Uh, if you speak Spanish, cerrada, <laughs> okay? 
Okay, road closed. Flashing, flashing, no, 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 no. And there's just this little string of red tape that says caution on it, it's over here too. God does that out of his kindness over and over. Nobody gets to adultery, nobody gets to extortion, nobody gets to any of your big major sins without going over this a lot of times. A lot of times, conscience and friends speaking and the word of God and the pastor just happens to be talking about that one thing, but you keep going. And the Bible says, you're gonna deserve what you're gonna receive because you're being simple-minded. Okay, we better go on. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. Well, he says, my son, two things will unlock the keys to your life. Just two things could cut to the chase. Humility just means a proper understanding of the greatness of God and taking your place in light of that. Not thinking the whole world revolves around you anymore because it revolves around God. And you become just a speck of dust, low, a servant, happy to have the grace of God and have an opportunity to have life and to have all your sins forgiven and get to go to heaven and be with Christ and reign and rule with him, that just puts you in your place. And the fear of the Lord just means a healthy dose of a reverence for God that, that manifests itself in obedience to him. If you have those two things, he says, what else could you want? <laughs> Wealth, honor, and life? Generally speaking, all things equal, that's the principle. You could want nothing more. And all you need is two things. A healthy dose of love and obedience to God and quit making it all about you. And you're gonna, you're gonna win the lottery, as it were, spiritually speaking. Well, that was a bad example, forget it. <laughs> verse, verse five. In the paths of the wicked lie thorns and snares, but he who guards his soul stays far from them. I really like this one too, a dire warning to well-loved children. The Holy Spirit saying, kids, listen, my daughters, my sons, listen. People who do wrong, unrepented sinners, and even my children who fall into sin, painful thorns. Thorns hurt. Painful, sharp piercing obstacles in life await you and snares that will entrap you. So he says, you, you know, don't chase trouble. Just don't chase trouble because you're going to get pierced. You're going to get hurt, you know, which reminded me of a story of a dog chasing an animal he shouldn't have been chasing. Here's a picture. You can guess what animal. <laughs> yeah, the poor guy. He saw this big little, you know, porcupine and he wanted to play or chase and he just shouldn't have done that because he's, yeah, I know. There were other pictures way worse. Listen, listen, my child, my son, my daughter, do not chase trouble. Do not chase porcupines or you're going to get hurt. He's not trying to restrict you. He's not trying to take away your joy. He's not trying to limit your life. He's trying to save you from that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Next slide. 
Train a child up in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. Verse six, well, this is a good one. Now, a helpful incentive for parents to take the time and trouble to raise your children in what is called the training and instruction of the Lord, which is a command and found in Ephesians chapter six and verse four. Let's take a couple minutes here, it's important. This is one of the most famous Proverbs of the 915 that are in the 31 chapters. Most people have heard this one before. Number one, as I've taught you before, uh, the Proverbs are not promises. They're not hard and fast formulas. You cannot press them into if you do A and B, you will always get C. They are general in all things being equal principles, but there are exceptions and mitigating factors. And when things don't go accordingly, and they don't always go accordingly, right? Then you have the book of Job, And you have the book of Ecclesiastes, which are also considered wisdom literature for a reason to balance the principles when they go awry. When when it does it's a fallen world with free will. There's evil. There's a lot of stuff going on. But the Proverbs are general principles. And here's one of the most famous ones. Well, let me give it diligence leads to prosperity. There's a lot of diligent people working in sweatshops, right? that don't prosper, right? But the general rule is you work hard, it pays off, there's profit. That's a general principle, right? I can give you another one. Doing the right thing uh, usually will bring a pleasant outcome. Talk to John the Baptist. He did the right thing. And you know what happened? He got served as an entree, his head. I'm sorry to have to put it to you that way, but you know the story. So you get it. So walking with God in a fallen world, it gets a little complicated, but here, uh, when the principles are accepted, right? EX, right? Then go for the promises. I will use all things to work together for the good of those who love me and called according to my purpose, right? Go for the promise where he says, if you believe in me, you'll never die. Go for the promise that says, that's a promise, promise. Take that to the bank, cash it, it's good. All right, not every single time, 100% of the time. I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. It's a promise, right? These are principles. How many of you had a godly upbringing? You were raised in the faith and you have remained in the faith or come back to the faith, raise your hand. Okay, how many of you were not raised in the faith, but somehow you're an adult and you have faith and you're walking with God? See, it's split half and half, right? So we'll have to figure that out because here he's saying, listen, train up a child in the way they should go. Get them started. Generally speaking, it's going to be hard and difficult to go from God's love and a disciplined life and the fellowship and all of this to atheism. It's going to be difficult, but not impossible because that kid has a free will. And that kid has to transition from mommy and daddy's Jesus to their own Jesus, right? And so God gives them free will. And so they're going to have to make a choice. And so it doesn't always happen. You, you, you know what? I've got a little time. Just let me just see. What, what, what does it mean to train up a child in the way they should go? Well, I've got the Ten Commandments for wise parenting. And they're real quick. They're right here. Number one, the Bible is taught. Here, here's what he says. 
These commandments that I give to you today, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. These commandments, he says, I give you today. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. That, that covers a lot there. Tie them as symbols around your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Teach your children the word of God. It's a lamp to their feet, a light unto their pa- faith, path. <laughs> faith, I'm trying to speed through these. Faith is nurtured. Lead them to the Lord. And faith is sometimes... Um, so difficult in your own family, but lead them to the Lord. Consistent corporate worship. Listen, God gave pastors, teachers, evangelists, Ephesians chapter four, to equip Christians to reach their fullest potential to serve him. Without them, you don't get equipped. There is one way to equip somebody to reach their fullest potential, and it's called church. And if you don't go to church and you trade it in for a soccer tournament all the time, that kid is going to learn not to be nourished in the faith, not to sin under the word, not to be, to be equipped. Ephesians chapter 4, there's only one way to equip a Christian is to sit under a God-called, gifted man to preach and teach the gospel. That's what, and they have to have a habit starting young. Thank you, Marianne. Grace (laughs) overflows. Grace, you know, grace, 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 grace based. Nah, no, no, grace. A little of this, grace. Amen. Are you out there? Hello. Love permeates. You just love unconditionally no matter what. The way God loves you, correction is given. He who who withholds discipline from their child is a partner to their demise, the Bible says. Character qualities develop, teaching them to love hard work, not to be lazy, to tell the truth. These are things that they have to see live down in your life. Relationship with Jesus modeled. Faith is going to be caught as well as taught, right? They got to see it in you, mom. They got to see it in you, dad. And when you blow it, just take them aside and say, I'm sorry. I fell short. I lost my temper. You are going to fall short, but you need to get down on your knees right there and then with a tear in your eye and say, I've blown it. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Daddy's not perfect. Relationship with Jesus modeled. Let them see you praying. Let them catch you reading the Bible with your cup of coffee in the morning. Let them see you leading the family and devotions. Quality time shared. Listen, rules without relationship is legalism. You've got to spend time with your kids. You just have to do it. Eat dinner with your kids. Discernment used. Each kid is different. Find their bent. Don't treat them just so you can't cookie cutter children. Everybody's got strengths and weaknesses. Discern. How do I deal with this one? How do I I pull out the best in this kid? Discernment. Physical affection. Abounding. Always. Touching and hugging and slurping and fun. Right? Amen? Amen. 
All right. So that's what he means, train up. And we could go back to the verse. Train up a child in the way they should go. And in the end, here's your job. Make it hard for them to want to leave. You know what? Some of you, I know your stories. They left anyway. What could you do? All you could do, you got a couple options. One, cry. That's what we do. We cry. And what else do we do? We pray. And what else do we do? We keep loving. That's what we do. Right? Tramp a child, mom and dad. In the end, generally speaking, they won't depart. All right, moving on. The rich rule over the poor. The borrower is servant to the lender. An observation to steward your, and a warning, to steward your finances well. Not to get yourself in a heap of debt because you'll be subservient and dependent to others who handle their money better than you. Verse 8. He who sows wickedness reaps trouble and the rod of his fury will be destroyed. Okay, so here's what the world calls uh, karma. And I'll often talk to people when they say karma. I'll say, what's up with that? You believe in karma. Who's running karma, right? And they're like, karma doesn't have it. Karma's the universe. Well, the universe must be smart, right? And have a brain because how does it know how to measure out, you know, everything, right? So uh, we call it sowing and reaping. And God is orchestrating this principle here of divine retribution. Now, here, here, it's really simple here. Troublemakers make trouble for themselves. And the second part is kind of obscure. It says the rod of his fury will be destroyed. It means the guy who's striking out to harm somebody is only going to harm themselves. It will be destroyed with him in it. All right, verse 9. A generous man will be himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Listen to me. I'm going to ask you a question. Anybody here just wanting to be blessed by God? Does that sound like a fun thing? Do you, would you just like to just know that God's got a blessing in store for you and just waiting for an opportunity to bless you, right? How many would just like to know, I, I, I know I have a guaranteed blessing coming. Anybody? Yeah, get your hands up right now. <laughs> you non-participating people. Well, then here's what you do. Share with a needy person. Share something. It's not rocket science. When you see somebody who looks like they're hungry, it doesn't call for your judgment. It really doesn't. It calls for you to do something. He's hungry. No matter what the cause is, he's hungry. Do you want a blessing? Yes or no? You just raised your hand. You said you did. Right? So I'm telling you how to get that blessing secured every single time. Hand them something through the car window. Hand it to them. In Jesus' name, I'm praying for you. Done. That's a promise. That's a promise. You're going to get blessed. You're going to get blessed. Now, don't expect a sandwich to come through the other side of the window. <laughs> I know how we are. You know, you're waiting, looking at your clock, your watch. You know, where's the blessing? Where's the blessing? Guess what? You're ruining it. You're ruining it. God's not going to play that game with you. He's just saying, look, it was share, be generous. It's a blessing. Verse 10, drive out the mocker and out goes strife, quarrels, and insults are ended. All right. So he's speaking to would-be leaders. They're going to grow up. They're heirs. 
you know, and this is very helpful advice here. Difficult situations, listen to me, are seldom just nebulous, abstract things. If there's a problem in a community, right, there is usually a cause, and the cause is usually a person a troublemaker or one or two of them. There's a source. So by nature, this mocker in the crowd is always picking a fight, doesn't respond to criticism very well, uh, is self-protective, filled with pride, hostile, antagonistic, and just kind of a cancer to the, the harmony of the group. So here's what he's saying. He says, son, Do you want to improve a nasty situation? You'll have to deal with the nasty person. You'll have to. You can't just keep putting it off and putting a Band-Aid on the problem. Son, I want you to deal with the nasty person for the sake of the unity and harmony of the whole. Now, sometimes it's necessary to remove a difficult individual uh, to preserve that peace, right? And listen... Um, Chuck Smith, speaking of churches, Chuck Smith, Pastor Chuck, he started the Calvary Chapel movement. He went home to be with the Lord a year or two ago. Uh, He used to say about people who, troublemakers who ended up leaving uh, the church. Did you hear so-and-so left the church? And he would say, oh, yes, a blessed subtraction. (laughs) (laughs) Deal. Deal with the person. It's your responsibility. 11. He who loves a pure heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king for his friends. So this one's easy. Honest and, uh, an honest and gracious person will have upward mobility. A good and a kind man. A, a, listen, a man who is good to the bones, down to the marrow, wherever you slice him, he's good, just Everything, good. He's climbing the ladder because people like that and people of influence like that. Be that way. Uh, Verse 12, the eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he frustrates the words of the unfaithful. This is a comforting thought because when you get down to the Hebrew, it means... Our God is at work 24-7 so that truth will prevail in a wicked world where there's a whole bunch of lying. Oh, just recently with all the WikiLeaks and all of this stuff going on, oh, I just love hearing that God is going to frustrate the plans of unfaithful and untrue statements and deception. And in the end, justice and truth will prevail because that's who God is. And oh man, you've heard of WikiLeaks? Well, Jesus speaks, okay? Because when he comes, man, listen to what he said. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. Oh, I long for that day. I long for that day when every, it says in Romans, every mouth will be closed and Jesus will speak the truth and take charge of this nasty world. And he's going to make it to a place where it says only goodness can dwell and all others unredeemed 
will be shut out. Make sure that you have connected with him while there's breath in your body so that you'll be on the inside, not on the outside, exposed, right? We're covered up. Verse 13. Verse 13 says, the sluggard says, there's a lion outside, or I'm going to be murdered in the streets. <laughs> okay, listen, here we go. The butt of all the jokes in the, uh, in the scriptures, in the Proverbs, the satirical humor is always aimed at lazy bones. They, the lazy person takes the brunt of it. Now, when the Holy Spirit uses satirical, to satire means to have a chuckle at somebody's vices. Or, or weakness, right? So if, if we're going to, and, and we did, we laughed, right? If God's going to make fun of somebody's vices, he's doing it in a redemptive way as a warning and instruction. Do not be like this person or you will lose out yourself and you'll be a burden to everybody around you. So uh, this one's easy. Always an excuse for the lazy person and exaggerated fear. So, you know, he, he can't go out in the fields. It's time to plant. Why? Because, they're, they're, you know, there are lions out there. And there were. There were lions. But it was like the odds of lightning striking you. It would be like somebody saying, you know, I got offered a job at the golf course, but, you know, I'm afraid of lightning because lightning could strike, you know, when you swing your golf, whatever, you know. Or, you know, I'll be mauled by a cougar. I'll be gunned down on 4th Street, you know. I don't think so. I just think you're making stuff up, you know. So he's saying just don't, you know, stop with the excuses. Get a job. That's what he's saying. Okay, moving on. Now, God knows the difference. <laughs> God knows the difference between somebody who cannot work and is limited but wants to work and somebody who's fully able but lazy. God really knows the difference. So don't take on any kind of misguided uh, um, guilt, right? He knows. Verse 14. The mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit. He who's under the Lord's wrath will fall into it. Well, we're entertained tonight with some of these. They're very interesting and intriguing and frightening. This one's frightening to me, to be under God's wrath so that we trip up and actually do the stupid thing we're trying to do and God blesses it. It says, go ahead. Go ahead. Let's talk about this one. Now, Here's a call for discernment to the son, my son. Look, see past the temptation, uh, the glossy lips, the flattering mouth that's, that's saying things like, you know, and I've said this before with the adulteress because she's been around a few chapters and she's been, she says things like to the guy who's been fighting with his wife, you know, have you been working out? Have you been working out and it's a, you know, or, or, you know, you are so kind. Does your wife appreciate that about you, man? I know if you belong to me, man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just as behind the source of the flow of that flattery is a hunter's trap. That's what they used to do in the Old Testament times. They would dig a big pit. That's what he's talking about. A big pit and then covered over with branches. And so some dumb ox, well, you know, dumb stag would come along and fall into the pit. 
And at the bottom of the pit, they'd have nice, sharp branches to impale it on. So he's saying, my son, watch out for the lip gloss and the, 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 the attraction of the kissing and the words that come out because behind that is a very painful, dark, and deep well at the bottom. And some guys fall in and they never get out. Now, King David, he got out. Now, what does it mean that the, those who are under the Lord's curse, wrath, will fall into it? You've already intended to do it. He's already trying to stop you, stop you, stop you, stop you. And you keep going, going, jumping hurdle, jumping hurdle, jumping hurdle. You're going to do it. And he says, yes, I give you over to it. Mostly in love that, that maybe like King David, who was under God's wrath, he fell into the well with Bathsheba. And some poor little baby, his own flesh and blood had to die. And he managed through prayer and repentance and, and obedience and sackcloth and ashes the whole nine yards. Took him nine months. But he got out of the well. He's just saying, son, son, don't get out of that well. The pit, I should say. Don't go there. Sexual sin is the worst sin in the Bible. It's the worst. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it's the worst sin you could commit, especially if you're a Christian, because Christ is in your body and you're joining Christ into this blasphemous thing. He says that is worse than any other sin. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, read it. We're the people of God, gentlemen. We have the Holy Spirit on board. We have to sanctify our minds and put no evil thing before our eyes. Christ is coming. You have to be ready. You want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You don't want to be just sucked into this terrible world of filth. Stand up against it, amen? 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. This, that's an easy one. He's just saying, listen, we're born with a sinful nature, and it's, it just breaks my heart to say this, that even the cutest little cherub it ha, is bound up with folly inside that heart. Even the cute, cute ones. Now, I'm telling you, I know what a cute baby looks like. That's my grandson, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag cutest baby ever, all right? <laughs> but, but wait until the terrible twos. Then you find out, mom and dad, about the terrible twos, what just exactly is in there. And if that kid had more muscles and was bigger, you'd be dead. <laughs> Somebody would get hurt, you know? And so, and, and, and so he's saying, listen, the only way a kid grows out of that and learns to, to separate folly and wrongdoing and rebellion and I don't want to and I hate you and uh, no, I won't. The only way is to associate an unpleasant event with that behavior. Amen? Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Verse 16. He who oppresses the poor to increase his wealth and he who gives gifts to the rich both come to poverty. I like this one because it's funny. Verse 16, he's saying, there are two ways to lose your money, son. One is to be immoral and one is to be stupid. All right, so here's, here, 
He uses the word all the time, stupid. So I don't mean stupid. I said stupid there. Moving on. Okay. Immoral. Ill-gotten gain. It means to oppress somebody for them and steal the money. You, you get it the wrong way. He says, you know what? It's, God's going to make it sprout wings and fly away. You're not going to enjoy it because God's going to make sure you're not going to enjoy it because it's immoral. The other thing is, is being dumb. You know, what, what are you giving gifts to a guy who's got everything he wants? That's going to be expensive. What do you buy? How do you wow a guy who already has everything he wants? You're going to have to dig deep for that, right? So first of all, why do you want to give the gifts? You want influence. You want to get cozy, cozy with the person. You know, it's just not smart financial sound advice is to keep trying to impress somebody like that. You're going to run out of money eventually. So he's just saying, you know, two ways. Immoral or, or not being wise with your finances. That's just the thing here. Verse 17. Now, verse 17 starts a new section, and it goes on for a, uh, just a couple chapters. And so here's the intro to 30 new sayings, all right? Now, we're not going to get to the 30 new sayings. We're only going to get to six more, six sayings of this new section is 30 we're going to finish out this just this one chapter that happens to, this is the first saying. There are six that we'll get to uh, tonight and then we'll be done. Let's look at the first saying. He's saying, pay attention and listen to the sayings of the wise. Apply your heart to what I teach. For it is pleasing, good, happiness, joy when you keep them in your heart and have them already on your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. I teach you today, love this, even you. I love that. I'm going to explain that. Have I not written 30 sayings for you? This is the first one. And then we're going to have 30 of them. But we only get to six. I already told you that. Have I not written 30 sayings for you? Sayings of counsel and knowledge, teaching you true and reliable words so that you can give sound answers to him who sent you. Haven't I done that here? Yeah, let me just a few words and then we'll move on to saying two. This section is just like a wake-up call. Just slap, slap, slap. Have you fallen asleep? Do you think you're in religious class? Is this a philosophy lesson to you? No, these are words of life. This is important. Are you paying attention? You know, you have to do that with listeners when you're teaching because people drift. Their minds drift, you know, and I don't know where your mind is right this second, but it may be, you know, somewhere else. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I know most people in here are, are glued to every word hanging out, right? On every word. <laughs> I know my wife is right now. She's applauding back there. All right, okay. I'm dozing off, that's what he's saying. Dozing off, listen up. Okay, number one, listen up and then apply it. Pay attention because you're going to be happy. Verse 17, have them armed and ready. Don't be listening to me and, and in one ear and out the other and out you go and do your thing. Have them. Tomorrow morning, you'd be a fool to go to work or school or wherever it is you go unarmed with these truths that you just learned. You have to go into the workplace armed and ready, ready to fire. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Is that the way you're listening? That I'm going to collect all of these and I'm going to use them tomorrow morning at school or wherever it is you go. That's what he's wanting. That's what the Holy Spirit wants. He says, if you do, you're going to be happy. So he, and, then, and then this verse 19, I'm teaching you. Here it is, the Holy Spirit. Even you. <laughs> He's just, because there's this thing. When you're in a crowd, you think you're just in the crowd. 
you know, I'm just talking out there. To, but you don't realize I'm talking to you, Tom. I really am. I see you. I've become communicating to you. I really do. I feel like we're having a conversation, you know, and I could just say it's the same. I don't want to call everybody out because I know Tom is not a complainer. So I, <laughs> I could do that. But I'm in eye contact with every single one of you. I kind of know who's here. I know who's not here. And I'm talking to you. The Holy Spirit's saying, I got your number. I'm talking to you, even you, yeah. right? And do you see what I'm talking You, right? No, don't get out of the way. I, I, I hit you on purpose there, right? So, yeah, you know, we have a thing. Listen, for God so loved the world, the world. Who's the world? Put your name in it. He's talking to you tonight. He's not talking to the neighbor or the guy when you come up to me and say, oh, I was thinking of so many people needed to be here tonight. Uh, how about you? No, you were listening for your friend. He said, no, even you. That's what that's about. All right, I better move on here. Teaching you true. Look at, the, look at what God thinks your purpose is. Look at this. Check him out, verse 21. Teaching, I mean, all this stuff I've been teaching you so that you can give sound answers to him who sent you. In other words, when somebody comes to you and says, hey, so-and-so's got a problem. God thinks in his mind that he created you and made you a believer so that you could be helpful by shedding knowledge and the gospel and information and counsel. That's God's mind. He thinks that you're paying attention. So tomorrow when somebody says, you know, I just blah, blah, da, 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 and you just, you're ready. There it is. That's what God thinks that this is all about. Okay. Uh, thank you, Marianne. <laughs> Verse saying number two. They go faster now because they're collected. Do not exploit the poor because they are poor <laughs> and do not crush the needy in court, especially for the Lord will take up their case and will plunder those who plundered them. This is an easy one. Verses 22 and 23 don't take advantage of weak and vulnerable people because vulnerable and weak people have a defender and you don't want to mess with him. Next one. Verse 25 and 24 and 25. Do not make friends with a hot-tempered hot man. Do not associate with one easily angered or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. 1 Corinthians 15.33, New Testament, right? What does it say? Bad company corrupts good morals. Now, in that context, are you aware that it's theological um, doctrine that is the context of the bad company? Hang out with people who think incorrect thoughts about the resurrection. That was the context. People were saying, there's no such thing as resurrection. What kind of body will you have? And, you know, come on, when you're dead, you're dead. They were hanging out with those people. So he said, bad moral, bad company corrupts good morals. Your behavior changes when you, I'm just giving you context for that verse in Corinthians, bad behavior will result when you're not thinking that you will stand before God in a resurrection. So that's the context of that verse. The key thing is, is you will always, people will always rub off on you. They always will. They always do 100% of the time. 
So when, if you have a ministry relationship, just be careful. It's good to have ministry relationships where you're the stronger. But watch out, because nine times out of 10, they will impact you before you get a chance to impact them. So he's saying, look, hang around with a hothead. He'll rub off on you, and you'll start to be you know, easily antagonized, and bam. And then what will happen is you'll become like him, and if you become a hothead, then you're going to have an explosive situation and fall into a trap that hurts yourself, okay? Verse 26, we're almost there. 26 and 27 uh, here we go with the co-signing thing again. Do not be a man who strikes hands in a pledge, means to shake on it, high five like it's a done deal, all right? Or put up security for debt, co-signing, Co- saying collateral. If he doesn't pay, you can take my house or I'll cover it. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched out from under you. So if you want to hear like a pretty extensive discussion on the the error of co-signing and the whole subject. Uh, Go to the podcast on the app, go to Proverbs chapter six, and there's a meaty, lengthy discussion on the uh, folly of guaranteeing someone else's debt. Uh, Just in a quick word about this here, it's very easy. He's saying, always be generous. If somebody's in need and you have money, and you want to make a loan, make a loan as a gift, the Bible says. Don't expect repayment. Jesus said, don't. When you loan, don't expect it to come back. Loan what you can afford, give it away. If it comes back, great. If it doesn't, great, right? If you have the money to pay for the, the thing that the person needs and you think it's a good thing that the person needs, even though the bank is saying, we think you're a risk, and you're gonna and you got the money to give it to them and you feel led to give it to them, give it to them. It's just when you don't really have the means and you put yourself and your financial wellness on the chopping block that there's a risk that he says, not good. Because you know what? You're gonna be sleeping on the floor because he's not gonna make the payments. And they're gonna come in and they're gonna say, are you using this bed while you're in it? And they're going to say, because we want the bed now and we're taking it back. So could you please remove yourself from the bed? And you're going to be downsizing from the big house to a little apartment. And you know what? You're going to be taking the bus to work. You know why? Because your car will be gone. Because there'll be a lien on your paycheck. Don't do it. Think with the Holy Spirit. 28. Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your forefathers. This is easy. The land was very important to the Jews. God gave them the land. And then in uh, Joshua 14, he divided it up by families. And by their last name, they had a chunk. I've got a map for you. The 12 sons of um, Jacob, or his name got changed to Israel. Here they are. There's actually, it's complicated, but there are a couple grandkids, uh, half tribes that make a whole tribe and all of that. Anyway, here's the land given. And so God wanted them to keep that land to them within their families. And what happened is, is they would put boundary stones saying, this is our property, even if they fell into debt and somebody took the land, or but there was a, 
Every 50 years, it had to go back to those people. God just wanted them to have that land. It was very important. So what unscrupulous and uh, shady characters would do is uh, under cover of darkness, they'd move the boundary stones, right? To encroach or to possess somebody's land. And, And it says in other places, God will not hold that person uh, innocent. He will charge them and go after them. Boundary. The seed of this is do not covet what isn't yours. Be content with what gives you, what God gave you. Benjamin, Benjamin was saying, I like where Reuben lives. And Reuben was saying, I like where Judah lives. And he's saying, none of that. So they stick into each other's territories, change things around. And, you know, he's saying, could you just be happy with what God has given you? And stop always wanting what isn't yours. That's one of the Ten Commandments. It's a good one too, huh? Next one. Last verse of the night. Do you see a man skilled in his work? He will serve before kings. He will not serve before obscure men. Here's what he's saying. A motivation to diligence, hard work, and excellence. And a lot of people don't want to do that. He says, but if you do it, Listen, that's a rare and precious commodity. And people of influence, man, upward mobility, really? The excellence, be into excellence. One writer said, skilled people who apply themselves uh, always will earn recognition and the reward of advancement. So if you want to go places and be successful, you want to get to the top, listen to me, love excellence. Listen, I'm talking to you. There's something about Christians when they go into secular employment that it's just a secular job. The New Testament disagrees with you and says what you're doing now, tonight, for income, is God's vocation and placement of you, and you weren't, you're not truly working for your employer. You're working for Christ. And he wants you to work and treat that company and boss and those dishes and whatever it is you do as you would be serving God with excellence. And that is how you will advance and be recognized And as you advance and are recognized, so is the gospel. So God will gladly lift you up because he wants his word and the gospel and the light of Christ to be lifted up as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these wise sayings. Thank you for your love. We ask, Lord, that we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would be armed and ready And these truths would be not only on our lips, but down deep in our hearts, ready to go and to be fired out for our own help in times of struggle, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvertherock.org.